This is Peter Holmstrom, and if you're a fan of Star Trek, check out my new book, The Center Seat, 55 Years of Trek, the official companion book to the hit documentary series by the Nacelle Company, which chronicles the history of Star Trek from the early days of Lucille Ball and Desilu all the way to through the end of Enterprise, featuring new and expanded interviews from Trek legends such as David Gerald, Rick Berman, Ronald D. Moore, Harold Livingston, Walter Koenig, Kate Mulgrew, Nana Visitor, Robert Picardo, Tim Russ, Brandon Braga, Lisa Klink, and of course, in Glorious Trexpert's own, Mark A. Altman, as well as the final interviews from Kirstie Alley and Leonard Nimoy, in addition to so, so many more. Pick up The Center Seat, 55 Years of Trek, available today in hardcover and digital wherever books are sold. Hey, this is Mark Altman of Inglorious Trexperts in the 430 movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78. Available now by subscribing at trexpertsplus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. By your command, here's a sneak peek. He's great. I actually like him better than Oscar Isaac. And I mean, I think the Villeneuve is great. Version is great. Uh, it, it surprised me how similar it is to the David Lynch version. Because well, it's how people genuflect to it. It is a remake like, of the Lynch movie. Interesting. Because it, it, it leaves out the same scenes that the Lynch movie does. I, I think that's a strong statement because I think, look, the problem with Dune is that it is, I think it's very, very difficult to adapt because of the way that it was written and because a lot of the concepts that drive the storytelling and the adaptation choices that you have to make, I think by nature of what they are, push you towards the uh, the choices that are made in the Lynch film and in the Denis Villeneuve film, um, that you 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 kind of need to because otherwise it's very difficult. I think to get your arms around what that story is going to be. Like to Herbert's credit, but also um, just I mean, if you kind of sit and just think about that that those books, any one of the books, as a writer, and you just and you imagine somebody saying, "Please adapt this." It's just like where do you even start? Where do you start? Uh, just uh, even like Lynch couldn't crack, you know, the um, the the how do you, you know, do the telepathic communication? It plays look, as much as I love that movie, like it plays a little goofy in the uh, in the Lynch movie. And it's because it's such a difficult thing to adapt. Well, maybe if if George Lucas had done it, there would be more of the political machinations. Uh, yes. <laughs> in the script. Maybe Jimmy Smith's. But I think that what's cool about the Lynch version is, is that I know that this is mocked a lot, but that those, you know, sort of voiceover narrations where people were getting what they think are yeah. really close to the, the roving narration totally. in the novel. Yeah. And, and so it's one of those things where you're like, it, it's corny, I guess it, it would be a one way to, to, to describe it or goofy or off-putting. But it's funny because, I mean, I know, Mark, that you're a big Bond fan. So subscribe today at TrexpressPlus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the rockets. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman. And this is Ashley Miller. And we are the sixth season of Inglorious Trexperts. And welcome uh, to another episode of Trexperts. Now, here's the thing that's really funny for this, this episode entitled, uh, 
<laughs> I got to give Darren credit where credit is due. Very short Trexperts. And, uh, and, and the reason for that is this has never happened before. We had a guest scheduled who didn't show, didn't show. No, it wasn't Patrick Stewart to talk about his autobiography. I, I, um, can't, I can't get the Zoom to work. <laughs> and it wasn't keep, Ashley Judd. I, <laughs> so Ashley Judd, right? Well, we would. Robin Leffler, come on! We got to do a yeah. Robin Leffler episode. If one yeah, of the so, fifteenth uh, rule of uh, Robin Leffler is never do Zoom chats. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we had we had we had a guest all lined up who 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 didn't show up, which is uh, which is shocking that it's never happened uh, after six years, but uh, but it did. And uh, we'll so reschedule. You're st- we'll reschedule, but you, so you're stuck with us. You're stuck with us <laughs> for the next hour, and so are and we. So, uh, so we're going to open it to questions for the audience, except <laughs> <laughs> that you can't ask because you this isn't live. You can't ask them, but we we're going to guess. We're going to ask questions we think you would ask because well, we get we get questions all the time across uh, uh, social networks. Oh, that's true. We, we, we do. Look at that. We do. We do. And actually, one of the one of the, one of the questions that we got was uh, from a very irate listener of what we thought about the very short tracks. From its first space, the final frontier. Star Trek has given us an incredible universe of entertainment. And this year, we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Emmy Award-winning Star Trek, the animated series. And we're doing so boldly and briefly. <sighs> That's enough silly stories for one night. With five new animated tributes that are anything but canon. Prepare to be shocked. What? Prepare for... Very Short Treks, coming this fall. Get drawn into the universe of Star Trek animation. Look for Very Short Treks promotional spots coming soon. And watch Star Trek, the animated series, on Paramount Plus today. For those of you who don't know, um, uh, Paramount put out... um, (laughs) Paramount put out these things called Very Short Treks. Uh, the animation and the writing is from the guy who did Too Many Cooks. You remember that viral sensation Too many from cooks? 1996? Um, it was actually very fun. Uh, too many cooks. It was a very Absolutely. funny, and uh, it was caught on, and people were really into it. If you haven't but seen it, look th- it up on YouTube. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's, and, and that's all you should look up because the very short treks themselves are, are not short enough. Because <laughs> the whole idea was to pay fiftieth uh, homage to the fiftieth anniversary of the Star Trek animated series, but. Right. As many people of uh, more recent uh, uh, ilk, um, they seem to think it's a joke. It's a big joke. Yeah. These, uh, because they had less money. An unfunny less joke. Time, and, and so it becomes a parody and, uh, of, of, of Star Trek rather than actually doing something meaningful that pays homage to what was 
actually a misunderstood, underappreciated show. A simple shot of neoethylene will fix everything. The triple colonies will break down into their individual units with a slower metabolic rate. And these really will be safe triples now. Uh, what about the Klingons? Well, unless they treat their triples too, that ship isn't going to be big enough for all of them. Say, you didn't get this one, Bones. Oh, yes, I did. But it has to... Someday I'll learn. Aye, Captain. But you've got to admit, if we've got to have tribbles, it's best if all our tribbles are little ones. They had right. a lot of great things going for it. I mean, all, over the years, we've talked about how Rod Roddenberry would love to revisit them with new animation because mm -hmm. uh, actually the stories and the most of the scripts were quite good. Um, right. So instead they chose to just, I guess, photograph a car crash because that's what this was, a car crash. Um, and what's so funny about it or not funny about it is that it pretty much recycles the same joke over and over every episode. It, it Totally. You know what's funny? Also, well, and not the the episodes, but uh, I think there was actually one of them that was kind of a missed opportunity um, when uh, they had uh, Tendi from Lower Decks with right. the animated series. And I thought, you know what? That's actually a much better idea than having uh, Lower Decks crossover with Strange New Worlds. Actually doing like a Lower Decks episode, like where they cross over with the animated series Enterprise right. could have been great. That short trek was not great. Hello, I'm Devonna Tindy from Star Trek Lower Decks. Today we honor the 50 year anniversary of the Star Trek animated series. It came out in 1973, ran for two seasons and featured the actors from the original series. It paved the way for future Star Trek cartoons like Lower Decks. And we celebrate you today. You walked so that we may run. Thank you, Devonna. Wait. What the hell does that mean? We walk and you run. It's a compliment. I just meant that you set the stage for modern Star Trek cartoons. Oh, we set the stage. Like we're stagehands and you're the actors? It sounds like an insult. I have three legs. I'm great at running. What are you trying to say? Shh. Well, it's just that they had less budget and technology then, so your animation was a little... Uh, stiff? Stiff? It was a stylistic choice. Maybe you guys move around too much. You ever think of that? No, I, and I think it thought it was being much cleverer than it was. But it's like, oh, we're going to do like Josie and the Pussycats. And we're going to do, you know, not just the limited animation, but we're going to do all these non sequitur, um, uh, you know, musical interludes and stuff. Um, but it just isn't funny. And the way they depict... The, the original Star Trek mm -hmm. characters as these bitchy sort of insignificant little no, no, you know, and, and the voice they got for doing was for Scotty was terrible. Ironically. Yeah, I know. Although yeah. that, you know, I was so happy to see Mr. Eric's for the first five seconds and right. then it just turned into a train wreck. And, you know, to be fair, and I am only saying this to be fair, I, I mean, just and really, it's less about being fair and, and more just being clear. We understand people out there who listen to us and also like these things that it's satire, but satire still has to be good, and it and it needs to be based in truth. Yeah, as opposed to 
you know, just a, a perception that has nothing to do with with reality. There are and definitely things that could have been good satire that, that could have gone into this. But. Also, just to show that we're not we're not the TOS, uh, uh, you know, freakazoids. Um, the the way are. the way they treat the way they treat the next generation crew, mm-hmm. specifically Riker and Beverly, is oh, and worse oh, contact is embarrassing, horrible. Yeah, it goes against everything that Star Trek represents at all, and and it, it's it, it's all based on this stupid booger joke that is uh, that is just ludicrous. Now you see the the thing to do in that case, you can still have your booger jokes, but and eat them too. Eat them too. That's what that's what Starfleet's all about. Starfleet <laughs> goes in on you know on the game. They they get along with people they meet, and it's just ludicrous that Riker didn't dive in. I mean, he's eaten gach before, you know. I mean, for crying out loud, folks. Well, I I felt in a way that it was the same gag as the first one, and yeah. I used the word gag loosely, you know, where um or literally people misconstrued the comments that you know were being made. And it, it, it escalated into something because, uh, you know, people um, were were misconstruing the intent. And, I mean, it kind of was the same gag or attempted gag each time. That was the same thing. People misunderstood the intent of what somebody was saying, and then it got all out of control. And remember, and- none, of these, none of these were made as a reaction to the audience reaction because these were all made at the same time. So, uh, you know, they, they didn't get any feedback from them from the audience. So these were all uh, preordained uh, as to their content. And it's just it's just sad because it just shows that no one seems to understand what Star Trek is. And I know we sound like, uh, you know, the old farts sitting and No, 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 because you but, know what it is? It's like attempting to be family guy or something. But right. that's not what Star Trek is. No. And in fact, you know, if you want to pay homage to it, um, uh, you know, a couple of uh, months ago, there were these wonderful little um, vignettes where somebody did Next Generation of Voyager in yeah, the old filmation as- style. Fire up the engines, half impulse till we clear the nebula, then punch it up to warp nine. Ready phases, load forward torpedo bays. Engage. Warp tractor beam is attempting to lock on. Fire at will. Continue rotating shield frequency. Shields failing. Right, Which is right, what I right. would have loved to have seen the next generation done like a a, a, a TAS episode. Yeah. Or and, um, and use Voyager the old, or use Enterprise. the old music with it and make it seem like, you know, it was done back in the day. It, it, that's that was those are great. But those are done by, you know, separate fans who actually know what they're doing. Yeah. And I think that could be really fun. Because the one thing I have to say, they nailed the animation, the limited filmation animation. Yeah, I got no quibble sure. with that. I think they, they 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 got the look of it, but you know the problem is, and we've said this again and again. The general public doesn't take Star Trek seriously. They look at it as a you know as a big goof, right? And 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 this you know does not help that perception that Star Trek's just a big goof. And and, and my concern, and look, I I like Lower Decks. Ashley likes Lower Decks. Is not. You know, Lower Decks having fun with it because there's a lot of love there. But um, the fact that when you do, you know, Dracula and Frankenstein and Creature from the Blue Lagoon, Black Lagoon, and then certainly <laughs> do, and then you do Abbott and Costello versus Frankenstein, 
you know, that you can't go back after that, right? Yeah. And I feel that Star Trek has gotten to the point where like we're making fun of it, where it's a big joke. And so it's harder to take it seriously because even, you know, the Abrams films did that to a large extent where they, you know, they, they sort of took these tropes and made them into a big goof. And they started and, winking. Yeah. And they started winking at the audience like, oh, you know, Star Trek, this is a cliche in Star Trek. We're going to have fun with this. Yeah. And um, I just think it was so, it's, it, you know, you're paying you, you, tribute to, to the 50th anniversary, right? This is a major milestone. And you're going to do this thing where it's just insulting to the franchise. And we're not just talking about the original series. You mentioned it yourself. It's insulting to Next Generation. It's insulting to um, the other shows as well. Yeah. Uh, and then they drop in characters from, uh, you know, some of the other shows and, and like uh, like Discovery. And I mean, that whole thing where Ethan Peck is the voice of Spock and he can't understand the concept of humor. Um and all these transporter. I'm like, is that supposed to be funny? Well, you know what they say, write what you know. <laughs> but uh, I know it, nothing. It, it's so misguided in, in so many ways. But I think it goes to the very heart of what, you know, a lot of people talk about, that there's a fundamental lack of understanding as to what, you know, Star Trek's all about. Right. Which is, is, is why so much of modern Star Trek... Um, is, 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 you know, is misguided. The, is misguided, yes. Yeah. But, you know, you mentioned it before. I mean, you know, Abbott and Costello meet uh, Frankenstein. In, in those movies, I think they did three of them. Um, all of the, you know, original universal monsters were treated absolutely straight. Mm -hmm. And they, they were exactly like they were in the regular scary movies. And the only uh, comedic elements were, Abbott and Costello. And right. they were able to, you know, sort of add this comedy into the mix of these serious monster movies. So there is, there are ways to do this that aren't stupid. I mean, that's yeah. not saying that uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein isn't stupid. It kind no, of but is, it's but funny. it's also great. <laughs> yeah. But you said it was done with respect and love. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, also at that point, then it's hard to go back and take those monster seriously again after you've done that and that's or fine it was at serials. the end of its life cycle but star trek theoretically is not at the end of its life cycle so it's probably not time to start making fun of it um you know at least that that's a, that's our feeling um you know, here's what i'm wrestling with though and 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 part of it comes from wow this is like the most negative episode of the trexperts in the that's history correct. of the trexperts that's correct but I keep thinking like the the too many cooks guy too many cooks. who uh, who did the very short tricks. I, I I can't imagine. And I was, you guys are going to go. What are you talking about, Miller? But I I can't imagine that he's not a Star Trek fan. And there's a part of me that thinks that the problem may not be the choices that he made. The problem may be that had he done them on his own. Right. Like, had he just figured out a way to kind of make these, you know, little animated shows mm -hmm. and all of that and kind of do it how he wanted to do it, we might look at it very differently. Right. Than the fact that it was an official product. Right. Because right? this is canon. 
we look right. at well, it Well, they said it's not canon. And it's I know, not. but it's you know canon, what I mean. It represents meaning, what the, the producers think of Star Trek. That, to me, mm-hmm. I think is really the problem. Versus, like, here's a guy who loves it, who does a thing that's crazy and off-kilter and weird. Yeah. And you canon go, okay, mean, I can take it or leave it. Canon meaning an official offering from the producers of Star Trek. Right. But at the end of the day, it's not funny. So it's like, not. We, you know, that to me is like, you know, when you say, oh, would we have liked it if it wasn't officially sanctioned, you know, through the studio? No, because I still wouldn't have found it funny. Yeah. You know, it's just not, it's not right. funny. Um, and it's just insulting. I mean, I really, you know, I've wanted to see the character of Mr. Eric's come back for, you know, 50 years, you know, right? So this is not how I wanted to see Eric's come back. You know, no, as, not me as, either. um so but you know we talk about like this fundamental understanding of what the star trek audience wants and what star trek's all about you can look no further than the fact you see what the studio has been promoting not since the starship is landing has there been something as misguided and as silly as this kin kin kid cuddy promotion that they're doing have you seen that this is. Um, I, I've seen it. I have no what? idea what it is because it's completely out of my wheelhouse. I, I haven't well, seen it at all. They have uh, this hip hop um, uh, performer, Kid mm-hmm. Kid Cudi, who apparently is a Star Trek fan, who's who who just recorded a Star Trek song that's being released, mm. um, and they a merchandise line of Star Trek inspired by Kid Cudi that is going to be you know part of the you know, the website or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's like when they put Rihanna's song at the end of beyond and thought people would care. Right. right? I mean, it's like, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, look, I'm, I, I, I don't know who Kid, Kid, Kid Cudi is, but it just seems to me like that you're going to hinge your, your Star Trek. Uh, like this, I, I'm sure the thought is, this will attract a new audience. Yeah. This will bring in a, a whole different part of the audience. But it doesn't, because it, it, it's it's trying to use that other audience uh, as if they were idiots. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to revise and extend my previous comments, here's the other thing I'm thinking about, is um, back in the, the 90s, the uh, the height of the, uh, the Silver Age of Star Trek. Right. You know, everybody on Deep Space Nine, on Voyager, like on, you know, the last seasons of Next Generation, they all loved Star Trek. They all wanted to make great Star Trek. And um, the the barrier to doing every crazy thing that went through their heads was not Paramount, right? It was it was Rick Berman. There were things that Rick Berman said no to. And mm-hmm. one of the things that, that, that we know, and Mark, you can speak to this better than anybody because you've actually talked to him, um, you know, was how is Star Trek per- perceived based mm-hmm. on the product that we're putting out? That sometimes there were things that just didn't fly because it's it doesn't fit into that mold of of how Star Trek should be perceived. And and in this case, it feels like there's just no filter. There is just no um, giving a shit about how Star Trek is perceived, regardless of how the creatives involved might feel about Star Trek. I think maybe that's the thing I keep trying to react against, or again, trying to reconcile is, I refuse to believe that the people behind it don't love it. But what I do believe is that the people whose job it is to imagine, what is this, what is the product that we're putting out say about 
Star Trek as a brand. Right. Like, how do we make good decisions about what we do and what we don't do? And what it tells me is somebody making those decisions is asleep at the switch or has just completely outsmarted themselves. Right. Yeah. I I I I I don't know. It's it's a good question, but I I don't think that anyone participating in this campaign is suddenly going to say, um, "Hey, let's uh, let's watch Discovery." <laughs> you know, let's watch. Yeah. Uh, I I, just, I just, it's 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 so aggravating because I think you know this is at the heart of um, you know a lot of the things about Star Trek these days that are problematic for us um, in that. There's not an understand. There's no respect for the franchise. You know, it's it's well, all yeah, that's a big. The, that's the core of it. You know, that's the core. And, 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 and people don't realize because they feel like it's too. It's like naive to think, oh, we can just have a franchise that tells interesting sci-fi stories that's optimistic and hopeful about the future with compelling characters um, that we can all. Uh, be invested in, right? I mean, you know, it's the very heart of Star Trek. Well, the thing is that the general attitude is that, the, you know, any new producers they bring in, uh, they have the charge of revitalizing Star Trek as, yeah, if it's right. a, as if it's dead. And that's just, you know, it's a not really whale, the case. So if you, if, you treat it, it. if you treat it like a dying body, you don't give a damn about it. You, yeah, that's you right. Just, just, do just ask Art Garfunkel in bad timing. I, I got to ask, I got to say, <laughs> Ashley made a good point about Rick Berman. Now, whether you love Rick or don't, you have to respect the fact that for him, he went by the mantra, what would Gene do, right? Not that Star Trek needs to remain, you know, in that box that Gene painted, but there was a respect, like he, there were things he personally wanted to do that he wouldn't do because he felt it was not Roddenberry-ass. That was not the universe that Roddenberry created. And I give him a lot of respect for that. I mean, you know, there's the famous story of how he has the Roddenberry bust on his desk with a um, blindfold around it, you know? I'm sure Roddenberry right. has uh, a bust on his desk. I'm sure, I, I'm sure Roddenberry <laughs> had a lot of blindfolds, too. But um, <laughs> but the thing was that, um, uh, you know, he, he respected it. And even though... You know, look, Berman was certainly no fan of the original series. Um, he understood the history of the franchise and tried to respect it and didn't try and change it. I mean, and maybe that was part of the problem that he wasn't willing to uh, change it enough. Um, uh, that, he, you know, he wasn't willing to take risks because he felt beholden. But I think, you know, better to be too risk averse than, you know, just say we're, we're going to throw caution to the wind and just completely change into what we want it to be without any understanding of what Star Trek is and what it should be. Right. And, you know, look, there's a, a lot of uh, people in the uh, fan base that say, oh, what do you care? It's fun. They're having fun. It's, uh, you know, they, I, these characters are, they're just different than what you're used to and uh, all that stuff. Well, the thing is, it, that's fine to have different characters and do different shows, but then it's not Star Trek. You gotta, you gotta be doing something else. You know, if it, if these people are not, um, if the characters are not the characters that you can aspire to be or, uh, you know, want to spend time with and have a show that is, uh, 
is focused on their attributes, then it's what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting because one of the things that always gets me crazy is this whole like, oh, Star Trek is good Star Trek, you know? Yeah. And and you know, that was kind trackies. of the point of that last very Star Trek. It's like, you know, can't we all get along? Yes, that's legitimate. The, the idea that, you know, somebody's favorite show is somebody's least favorite show and somebody's least favorite show is their favorite show. You know, we've always said we wouldn't presume to tell people what they should like. We can tell them what's good, what's bad, but we're not going to tell people what they should like, right? So, uh-huh. um, uh, you know, but the, you know, they're saying in that, oh, like, it's all great, but it's not all great, right? It's not all great. Um, and uh, that's just the reality. And um, it, it just, really is a tough question because, you know, I completely understand the desire for the uh, producers and the studio to want to expand the audience for this thing, whatever this thing is that is Star Trek. Um, but it's, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of uh, cutting off the nose to spite your face when you when you change it so much that you lose your base uh, audience in exchange for a new one. Uh, and I, I don't I don't think that's a that's the right way to do it. I mean, I think you need to sort of try and incorporate the grand uh, uh, expanse, so to speak, of uh, of people who enjoy these type of shows. It's difficult. It's really difficult. Look, I, exactly. That's true. Creating a new Star Trek show is not easy. But one of the things that's important is to understand or try and understand the audience and what they love about it. And, you know, what they find compelling in Star Trek. You're not going to please everyone. You can't. You can't possibly do yeah. that. But um, but I think that, um, uh, you know, this whole idea that, oh, it's all great. It, it, yeah. Is, is, yeah, well, is, if it's all is great, nothing crazy. is great. That's right. That's correct. Because, I mean, there's, 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 uh, we don't need to do a top 10 of anything, honestly, if it's all great. Because there is speaking no top of top 10. 10. So this is very exciting. You know, we really struggled with this holiday special. As you know, every year we spend a lot of time on our holiday specials. They've gotten longer and longer. Kind of like the doomsday machine, they just keep swallowing up uh, uh, as much matter as they can <laughs> consume. Um, so we, uh, but I think we settled on something really exciting for this year, um, which we're, and we're going to start recording soon. We're going to do ten for ten. We're going to do ten top ten lists. Wow. So um, it's going to be quite the undertaking, and you'll find out what these are going to be. But so you know, we. we <laughs> we really, we really struggled to, to 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 figure out this year because we didn't want to do episodes, and we realized that we didn't want to do the same thing over again. We didn't want right. to do the same thing over. So I think this ten for ten is going to be really exciting, and um, you know, it also gives us, if we want, the ability to bring on special guests as well for um, some of these uh, episodes, depending on what the subject is. We haven't quite figured it out yet, but we better do it because it's already October. And Christmas yeah. is coming. That's right. The holidays are coming. The goose is getting fat. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. And you know, speaking of uh, speaking of the holidays, we got um, we got Columbus, Ohio coming up in uh, in December. We're going to be uh, back at Galaxy Con. That's going to be fun. December one through three. That's very oh yeah, yeah. 
That's that's. I'm and that'll be our, that. our one year anniversary of going to uh, GalaxyCon. Um, oh my gosh, yes, we'll have been going for, going for a year, and it's really been a, a terrific experience. I'm excited about all the people that uh, fans who who say they're going to be coming out to Columbus uh, to see us because I think I think we cracked the code. We really have been doing some great panels, um, and uh, there are going to be some great guests there this year. So um, that's going to be super fun. It's going to be fun for us. It's going to be fun for you. Well, and uh, of course, in the middle of uh, November, November seventeenth uh, through nineteenth, uh, along with William Shatner, uh, I will be going to Ticonderoga in you uh, upstate. Yes, me will be going. That's <laughs> arrogant presumption. Well, yeah, it is, but uh, yet, yet again, I will be there, and uh, that's uh, it's always a great time. Um, so uh, if uh, if you, there's still time, you can attend. Go to uh, uh, StarTrekTour dot com and uh, find out if you can make the call. Uh, you, it'll be you, fun. You, uh, you just Darren and the Shat. It's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> the Shat. Um, he doesn't like here. I sit all broken hearted. It's gonna Wait, be. What? It's gonna be a very special shat. time with Darren and the Shat. <laughs> I, 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 I think there's a there's a sitcom in that. Just you guys on the road, Josie hanging out, pussy shots, you know, doing doing voices. Yeah, you know, right. Be great doing, doing voices that Shatner doesn't remember. I know that I, I, that that blows my mind yeah. that he did not get the Gene Roddenberry. It was very it, sad for me because uh, he was he, he was obviously you know he he wanted to. He wanted to have fun. He wanted to play, but he said, "I just, uh, I don't, I don't remember how he sounded." Yeah, Very sad. which is funny because so many people that knew Gene, you know, are like that's dead on, like Rod and yeah. David Gerald and all these people. Um, where and of course, any of us who listen to Inside Star Trek or right. some speak, but it's, it's the fact that the fact that Bill doesn't remember. How Gene spoke is it just blows my mind. Although Fra Franks and Dorn were very impressed. Yes, yes, yeah, especially by, Dorn. Dorn cracked up. Yeah, Dorn, Dorn cracked up. Dorn cracked up. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That Dorn. I like that Dorn guy. Yeah, that Michael Dorn kid. <laughs> I think he's going places. He's, he's going places. He's going places. He's pretty great. No, he is pretty yeah. great. Yeah. Especially when he, he, when he has his headpiece on, he's very great. The headpiece of the staff of Raw. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, boy, oh boy. Um, yeah, and regarding the future of Trek, Mike McMahon, a, a showrunner of Lower Decks, he he even expressed a concern about the future uh, of that show. Yeah. Um, and you know he's not wrong because obviously a lot of people are very excited and and deservedly so that uh, there's been a reprieve that Prodigy was picked up by Netflix and um, they're going to air the second season. But it's very important to make clear that. They didn't save the show. The second no. season was already in post-production. It had already it been was done. basically done, yeah. Yeah, and so basically it's almost an acquisition, and I'm well, sure they didn't That's pay exactly a lot it for it. Um, it doesn't mean there'll be a third season. Right. In fact, it's probably fairly unlikely that there would be because this is, you know, this is something that was out on the market that they could get, you know, for a reasonable price. And, you know, I don't think this whole... You know, I said, oh, we, the fans did it. We, we got Netflix to save the show. Yeah. Uh, it's not really saving the show, but I mean, it's I'm glad. It's fun to think I'm, of it that way, but it's yeah. not true. 
Look, I'm I'm delighted that it has a home. I think a lot of people work really hard on it. Absolutely. I think there's a there's an audience that truly uh loves that show. Um I, I'm sure the second season will be uh you know uh, terrific as as well for that for the people that in, enjoy it. Um and, and we hope uh, that uh, Netflix uh, feels they get their money's worth. And you you never want to see something uh put in the uh you know especially when all that hard work all these creative people have done something to, you know, to have it not see the light of day. So right. it's great, but I, I don't think people should take the wrong lessons from, uh, you know, Prodigy going to Netflix as though, okay, this is going to happen in the future with all our Star Trek. Yeah. And now there'll be 10 seasons of it. It's just not, uh, pe people don't really understand the way things work. The way things work on a starship, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, as far as the, you know, Star Trek uh, going forward, I mean, we talked about this, we're somewhat worried. Um, you know, look, mercifully, the Janeway project that John Logan was developing, we hear is dead, which is probably a good thing, um, given Nemesis and given what he was trying to do with that project. But yeah. the good news is, and I don't know if people know this yet, but uh, we've heard multiple sources have confirmed this, that uh, Paramount CBS is uh, currently out to uh, VFX houses uh, taking bids. For the long, uh, hoped for, long desired Deep Space Nine remaster for high def. Uh, so well, uh, let let's hope that uh, they don't just give it to the lowest bidder. Let's hope that whoever does it uh, can do it with quality, uh, and it's not just an upres. Yeah, I, I hope they they um, learn the lessons of uh, of of the TOS remaster. Where there wasn't enough time, there wasn't enough money, and it was just rushed uh, and done. You know, obviously CBS Digital and the team, you know, went above beyond. They pushed themselves. You know, obviously Mike and Dave, and they did everything they could with the resources they had, uh, but there weren't enough resources. Yeah. And the fact is, this is what will live on. I mean, this is what people are watching. People aren't watching the original effects, sadly to say. You know, the version that they're seeing on TV is with those new effects, which are, you know, obviously hit or miss. So I, I sure hope that, I mean, I have to say the next generation remaster was, was, was stunning. So I sure hope that Deep Space Nine, um, uh, is, is, is equal to that. But of course, it was very different than next generation remaster, totally. wasn't it, Darren? Totally. I mean, uh, next generation had all the elements intact, uh, from the, you know, original production. But uh, Deep Space Nine has all of the CG elements uh, rendered for uh, regular standard video, and that just can't be can't be made to look uh, good enough for uh, modern video. So they have to be recreated from scratch. I believe so. I mean, if it's handled the right way, then yes. Yeah. I mean, the other option, of course, now is with the advances in AI, but that could be a very dangerous road to tread, couldn't it, Darren? It, it just uh, it doesn't look good. I mean, I, I've seen many uh, examples of up-resing using uh, AI and non-AI methods, and they just look like video. They look like fuzzy video, and it isn't, it isn't good enough yet. Yeah. And Ashley, I know how excited you are because whether you refuse to admit, we know Deep Space Nine is your favorite show. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a brilliant show. Um, and we love it. Uh, but, um, you know, obviously for us, I think a TOS eclipses all, all comers, but, uh, you must be really excited, Ashley, and I don't blame you. So, uh, 
you know, as bleak as the future might be uh, on many fronts, uh, and we've talked about some of them, there is some, some things to look forward to. And if they can future-proof Deep Space Nine, yeah. uh, that would be great. That would really be a wonderful thing to see that in in high def. Um, well, as really Dr. McCoy, to- as Dr. McCoy said, to preserve its dignity. <laughs> and I do think, obviously, if Deep Space Nine is successful, uh, they're able to, uh, I'm sure they'll sell it to other streaming services. It'll air on Paramount Plus, probably initially. Um, they'll be able to sell it foreign. Then I'm sure Voyager won't be far behind either for those people who are excited about seeing that in high def. And it'd be nice to have all the shows, obviously, in high def. Sure. Sure, and and a 4K of TOS. <laughs> that would be nice too. That would be ideal, um, you know. And I think we talked about this on a previous episode. The question is, um, they may have to go back to just the original effects because the uh, um, the new the new effects that were done what 15, 20 years ago were not rendered in 4K. That's they true. They were rendered for 1080. So they mean it's the same thing you guys ran into on the uh, on the motion picture. Yeah, you know, to save money, it wasn't future proofed at the time. Wow. Thankfully, let's, see. <laughs> let's just say that the studio has never missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity. So, <laughs> yeah. And look, the problem with with Star Trek, new Star Trek, as it is conceived for Paramount Plus. Right. Mm -hmm. When Paramount Plus started up, they had two titles that they really wanted to get out there and they really wanted to be the thing that drove subscriptions. Star Trek and the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone is a goddamn disaster. Okay. It's gone. Bye. But they wanted to have, you know, uh, a new Star Trek episode every week in some Mm -hmm. form because that would potentially drive subscriptions. And now what everybody in the business has figured out is that subscriptions, don't, don't mean make a difference. They don't yeah. pay the bills. They don't keep the lights on. So it makes no business sense at all to produce material for the purpose of uh, of of generating something that doesn't matter to you. Yep. I don't think that means that all of Star Trek is going to go away, but I think a lot of Star Trek will be allowed to um, <clears throat> finish. Right. Uh, I, I think that there are portions of it that will remain because I think that there is inherent value um to uh to to keeping that up but I but I but I do think that there will be a great pruning. I mean obviously I hope that uh that that lower decks survives that because it it makes me smile. Uh and you know what man it's like sometimes in life you just need to be able to smile. But uh but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I you know there are certainly Star Trek shows that are about to air their last season. I'll put it right. that way. Yeah, I I should restate my statement about uh, streamers uh, uh, not surviving. What I mean is streamers spending big money on new shows, right? Uh, is is coming to for an themselves? End. That will not happen anymore. Yeah, but no, you will I mean, see that, Paramount producing shows to sell to somebody else, right? That is absolutely true. And then also you'll see them, you know, using them on CBS. But here, I mean, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times because you saw that they, you know, put Yellowstone on CBS right. and it was huge for CBS yep. as it is for Paramount Plus whereas they put um you know when, when every time they put on, Star Trek on and it crashed. And, it, and it, yeah so and they're going to do the same thing with Strange New Worlds so Star Trek's value becomes less and less so the idea of having all these shows is less important it does seem that 
um, Strange New Worlds, for better or for ill, has become the new flagship for um, of Star Trek shows. And um, I'm wondering if Starfleet Academy will actually happen. I, don't I mean, the writer's I room is dead. still going. And I think, I, I think that the uh, Section 31 movie is probably dead. I wouldn't be surprised about that. You know, I think the strike may have killed it. I mean, yep. it died a death of a thousand cuts. And, um, and then, you know, and then the question is, you know, legacy. And I know that there are people who are very optimistic and no one would rather see that happen than all of us. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think, it, I, you know, I don't think it's looking particularly I don't think it's feasible. I don't think it's actually feasible right now. I think the only way it could be feasible is this. So in the in the land of the studio producing material to license and sell and make money that way. Right. Um, if they syndicate I, it. Exactly. Or they produce it and they sell it to sell Netflix. It to HBO they license it to or Netflix. Netflix or, yeah. Exactly. Which is how, how they started in the first place with Discovery. Right. But the, the, the interesting thing is that the Amazons and the Netflix actually didn't do that well with those shows. Mm-hmm. But Legacy is the one thing they have in their quiver where it has a, a pre-existing audience where right. it actually would have value. Foreign, yep. because Next Generation did very well in Germany. It did very well right. in the UK, you know, in the big foreign markets. So it, Legacy has a lot more value than something original. At right. this point, which is funny because thing. we were when always they, the ones arguing for originality in Star Trek. Right. Well, yeah, when, when they first sold uh, Discovery to uh, Netflix, it was only foreign markets. Uh, yep. it, it, it never played on uh, on Netflix in the United States. Uh, and so it, there, that whole market was ruined, basically. Yeah, people don't realize. I mean, at the time, that was kind of what f- funded... The, the initial short tracks and discovery was because they, they had a big deal with Netflix internationally. And, um, you know, pa- look, pa- I think part of the end of discovery is when that went away and Paramount had to fund it completely for Paramount plus, and they didn't have these deep pocketed far, foreign partners to, and then they're just making it for, for foreign, you know, for, uh, Paramount plus, uh, which was expanding internationally. It became much more expensive for them. Right. And, you know, what was the upside of doing more seasons? Because, right. uh, you know, unless the show is an absolute huge success, I mean, the, the fact is the cost of the actors go up, uh, you know, all your costs go up, the cost of your crew goes up. So unless something is super successful, it doesn't make sense to do, you know, season six, season seven, season eight, season nine, you know, it's it's right. just not going to no, happen. And they're not even getting economies of scale on producing more episodes. Right, right. right? That's the thing people don't think about because they don't, they're not in this business. But- you don't think about the fact that you know the you you get a much better amort out of a twenty-two to twenty-six episode season than you get out of ten. That's correct, mm-hmm. right? It's That's like you got to look at the right. math that way. That you know when you when you do it that way, it, it actually makes it more difficult to produce. It makes it more expensive, not cheaper. And yeah, when Ashley says it amort, he's talking about spreading the cost. Your startup Over. costs across more episodes. Right. So, like your pilot's always going to be more expensive because you got to build sets. You have a lot of expenses. You don't. Have, so, but when you spread it over twenty-two versus ten, yeah, your startup it, costs are a lot less. It becomes cheaper to make double the episodes. That's right. Yeah, but, yeah. It's funny. Somebody had asked. Uh, I, I remember this was. They said, "Oh, when are you guys going to do an episode just talking about yourselves and you know the shows you worked on and your experience in television." And I, I, it's funny, my, my initial thought was, well, I don't know if that's really, you know, since none of us actually worked on Star Trek other than Darren, I didn't know if that's a, a, like a legit topic for the show. 
but it's something we'd consider maybe. It'd be um, a deck seventy-eight. You know, maybe it's a, maybe right. it's a deck seventy-eight. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tales from the yeah. trenches. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, look. I think we, I th- we all have we all have vast experience in what is called the industry. But so. you know, I think particularly Ashley, what I like, you know, in terms of the stories that you can speak to, is having started on something like Andromeda, which was first run syndication, where you had about twelve cents an episode, yeah. and then as it went on, then you you know you end up on a show super big, you know, stars is black sales, but it, it, you know, which is a much bigger show, but also you know you had a shoot in. South Africa because of yep. the cost. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I had a similar thing with shooting in Bulgaria. Um, but uh, you know, I think there's there's a lot of in- maybe there are a lot of interesting stories that to tell. Um, that maybe we'll get to at some point, but that's not going to be for today. No, right. But it's interesting stuff. <laughs> no, because today we're going to rail about very short. That's right. And I can talk about how because I was really tired really when Star I started Trek talking show. about it. But now I've woken up, so now I really have something to say. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I just, you know, I, I have awakened a sleeping giant. Sleeper has yeah. awakened. Oh, speaking of which, you know how we had Ryan Britt on the show. I don't remember that. Seventy-eight, a couple of weeks. Undeck so we did, we did yes. Yeah. So I started reading the other book. The um, oh, the uh, the. Uh, Oral history of uh, Lynch's of, Dune. Of, of Lynch's Dune called uh, A Masterpiece in Disarray. Yeah. Man, that book's great. I'm is loving it? that. Oh, it's really good. Is there an audible? Uh, I don't think so because I think I, I, if it's not self published, it's a very like small press kind okay. of thing. But it's actually a beautiful book. It's like um, uh, they, there's this beautiful red folio to it. And um, it has like, you know, that the string that you, you know, that's like you, Put into for placeholding for like a book bookmark. It's mm-hmm. it's a, and a beautiful hardcover book. Red it's Folio a really, is a uh, Shakespeare character. That's right. <laughs> so it, I really am. I'm really enjoying. Not that I didn't enjoy Ryan's. I enjoyed Ryan's quite a bit. Yeah. But Ryan's covers a lot more ground. This only covers the the, the David Lynch movie, and right. it's um it's it's fascinating. It's really interesting. So um, I recommend that for people who are interested in the '84 Dune. All six of you. That's right. And three of us are here. Three, exactly. I was going to say half of them are on this podcast. <laughs> well, you guys should get this book. Well, you know, when we do our holiday gift guide episode, we'll have to. I'll, I'll bring it up again. Is that a, um, is that a uh, top ten? That's that's a whole different episode. No, because it's not Star Trek. It's not Star Trek. Okay. It's 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 for the holiday gift guide, though. Yeah, it's a, you know, yeah. like for stuff to give for the holidays that are sci-fi friendly. So, friendly holidays. For, for the geek in your life. <laughs> Too many cooks. Right. Too many cooks. But, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's good. Too many cooks. I don't know. I mean, God, we're so... so I, I feel like this is the episode where we're like so negative about things. It's like, uh, Star Trek doesn't have a very bright future on television. Star Trek's dying! It doesn't have a very bright future in the yeah. movies. Man, that too many cooks. Too many cooks. I mean, that very short tracks was terrible. I mean, it's like... I, I think I'm just bitter because our guest didn't show up. <laughs> well, you know, it, every everyone can have a uh, a lapse, and uh, it's fine. We'll we'll bring yeah, them back, and we right. won't identify them, and everything. Will no, be fine. we're not going to embarrass them. No, you know, we're not going to say, "How dare you not call Rick?" I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It wasn't Rick. Um, anyone named Rick? Anyone named Rick was Rick Worthy. We want to talk about his great work in basketball and Battlestar Galactica. Wow. Beats, no. Bears, Basketball, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Remember that episode we did, Six Degrees of Shatner? Man, people hated that one. 
I don't know if that. I remember <laughs> that one. What was it? Yeah, yeah, you had to you had to connect to Shatner. You'd sit, you'd you'd nominate somebody, and then you'd have to connect them to Shatner in six moves, like Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, like for instance, I I was going to say, um, Darren Doctorman. Oh, he worked with um, Shatner on Free Enterprise. Done. See, simple. <laughs> Didn't take a whole lot. Yeah, of time, like one but degree, but hard. Ashley one. Miller. Yeah. Let's see. Ashley Miller worked with Darren Doctorman on the Incredible <laughs> Inglorious. I'm Trexperts. not going to be the Kevin Bacon in this sandwich, and uh, <laughs> and he worked with Shatner on Free Enterprise. So there you go. That's right. But but you know yes. I, I could try and find somebody more difficult, like uh, how do you connect? Um, how do you connect? Uh, to, to, Come on, let's see. O.J. Simpson. Okay, let's connect O.J. Simpson. I think that should be easy. Okay, O.J. Simpson. Um, worked with Elliot Gould on Capricorn One. Uh-huh. Okay, Elliot Gould was in Mash with Donald Sutherland. Man, you're following my face. Donald my Sutherland worked with Leonard Nimoy on uh, on Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The Body Snatchers yep. and, and Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy of worked with had some connection with Star Shatner. Trek. <laughs> Little show there called you go. Star Trek. I'm sure it can be made in shorter, but uh, that was the easy way around. Yeah. I got a question for you. Okay, you know what I was thinking about when I was watching the very short tricks? You're going to hate me for Killing asking yourself. I got to ask. Okay. But, you know, is there a world where you bring back Shatner to do the Wild Bunch like we've always wanted, right? For a final movie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And not literally the Wild Bunch, but, the, you no, know. More the, like the Wild, wild Hogs. Hogs. No, <laughs> anyway. It's like, it's like old guys get together for one last romp. Right for one last right. mission when they're over the they're supposedly yep. over the hill they're yep. too old and but they have to go on this mission you know to one last one last thing it'd be right fucking the final great frontier. Uh, that's what Quentin Tarantino's R rated Star Trek should have been you know yeah. it should have been the that fucking the wild card season three no because season three it's not the wild bunch that's um it's Butch Cassidy it's PG you need edgy dark fucked up that's the wild bunch. And and a much you older. You need to bring no, back the Gorn. Picard cat. is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It is not the Wild Bunch. The Wild Bunch would be Shatner. Now, my question is: This is where you're going to hate me, Darren. Yeah. I'm not even going to include Ashley because that was such a stupid question. I'm going to ask you, Darren. Um, do you have Zachary Quinto or Ethan Peck play Spock to Shatner's Kirk? No. Yeah, that's the right answer. What do you think, Ash? I gotta agree. I I think there would be cognitive dissonance. It just wouldn't work. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you well, can. Especially, I think mostly because of their age. Yeah. Well, but he's a it's you know he's a Vulcan. He ages. Age. Uh, yeah, he ages. Or he less. goes back through time. Yeah, yeah. Or he goes forward through time. No, I I just don't think it works because I don't think they have the gravitas of Leonard. Neither of them do. No. You know, it's not even close. I mean, I like they're both very likable people, and I I wish them well, but. They're not Leonard. There, there's only one Leonard Nimoy. So the question is, can you even do it? If you don't have, all you have is Walter and George. And no, he's, he's not, not going to be with Walter and George, right? So he can you have, who do you put Shatner with? Can you do the Wild Bunch with a bunch of other characters that we've never met before? No. You well, can't. Yes, if you have Spock played by Hugo Weaving. Oh, man. I see two captains here. One has a future. Okay. The Can other you have- is not. <laughs> 
Can you have Carl Urban? Can you have Urban? Gary Sinise as Dr. McCoy? Well, can you have Carl Urban? I would do Dr. Carl McCoy Urban. No. because he was really good. Yeah. No, he wasn't. He was great. He wasn't. Come on. Do we have Gary to just Sinise. hate everything? Gary freaking Sinise. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, I, I, I think we could put Chatner with some other people. Maybe well, like some other legendary, like, you know, character act. Like Gil uh, Gerard. Actor. No, not, not, not like. OJ Simpson. I would love to see that. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> the OJ Simpson. Like, you know, like, 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 like a Donald Sutherland or something. Like somebody has like gravitas. Like, you know, like, like a real. Like, Clint Eastwood. Um, well, then you got Space Cowboys, but maybe yeah. I, Clint Eastwood's almost too old now. You know, we're yeah, Shatner, you're to say I, that to Shatner, not, Although I don't know if Shatner even I don't know if Shatner would want to work out that kind of schedule. I don't think he do. would, unless you know, Clint was making shooting the movie. In which case, he's never going to get a faster schedule. Because I mean, you know, Clint is famously moving on. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I don't know. I just, I think, I think the window is passed and it just, it kills me. It kills me. I just would have loved, I just feel like he should have gotten a good swan song. And it's just, you know, I just can't believe he deserved his Picard season three. Well, he deserved his Picard season three. Ashley, you just scored points. You're back on the board. So uh, (laughs) bring in, bring in Anthony Hopkins to play a Romulan, uh, a great Romulan adversary that he has to team up with. Well, he could still be a Federation ambassador, you know. No one uh, likes Anthony the Federation Hopkins. ambassadors; they're useless. Well, maybe you know, it's, it's not everything he's, you think we think he is. I I don't know. I just <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna break this story tonight. That's for yeah. But you know, not. here's the thing: we all know Paramount has no interest in looking backwards for a right. one shot. They want to reboot this franchise. We know that it's in the works uh, with this new Romulan war. Post first contact thing that they want young guns cooking up. They want young guns. They want fucking young, young guns. guns. And there's nothing wrong with young, but it yeah. doesn't have to mean stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it can Even still be usually smart does. and cool and hip and, and fun young. and fun. Yeah. By the way, for what it's worth, I don't think that reboot's happening. They can talk about it all they want. It is never happening. No, they well, have because been how to- do you justify it? How do you say we're going to make a Star Trek movie? With no one you've ever heard of, maybe, maybe you know, no one from Star Trek for a hundred and fifty million, maybe it's the lowest they could no. possibly do a movie like that. It's the lowest. How do you do that? You can't never, because you already have alienated half the Star Trek fandom. Mm-hmm. Yep. And who have. are the kids that are going to go? It's like well, you're not going to get kids to go see Star Trek. No, you're not right. going to get. They're just. It's you can't sell. You'll get Isaac you know, and Caden. That is not enough to justify that budget. I don't even think he would. I don't think my son, who is into all this genre stuff, would want to go see a, a, a Star Trek movie like that. Well, yeah, a oh, Star no, no, Trek not movie that, that no. has that has no direct connection to Star Trek. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, you know, it's and I just and don't think the Romulans point is that interesting. Doesn't. I yeah. don't think the Ron. Yeah, I'm gonna say, say other than Balance of Terror and maybe right. Enterprise Incident and and the Enemy. And the defector. I don't think the Romulans are that interesting. And uh, in the pale moonlight, that episode's not great (laughs) because of the Romulans. It's about what Cisco did. The Romulan in that actually is pretty bad, to be honest. It's a fake. It's a phony. The fact that the it's a shoulder pad. 
come on. In I neutral think, zone I, for like 10 you know, seconds there, they, th- they thought well, they were Because awesome. that was uh, Mark Alamo. You mean yeah, neutral zone. We are back. Also, that think, had Ralph Offenhouse, who is one of the greatest oh Star Trek characters of all time. Here we go again. But yeah, I don't think, you know, I don't think the Romulans, you know, and partially it's just been the way that the costume design and makeup, I don't think they, I mean, they're terrible in Nemesis. Um, you know, I don't know what, 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 what they've been on other shows. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, they've just made into, into cartoon characters. Yeah. And this is not to degrade cartoon characters uh, like we see in the original animated show uh, because wrap uh, sometimes back, those are it? interesting. Yeah. Uh, look, it, it's, it, the problem is the, the people in charge just know how to do parody, but they're doing parody of something that they've never watched. And yeah. it, it, it doesn't work. And, and the same is for the people doing it straight. Uh, it, it just doesn't work because they don't, they never watch the show. We're not right. saying that doing Star Trek is easy. You know, it's not. And I think that's why we had so much respect for Terry because he, he made it look effortless, but we know how much work it went into it. But also he'd been thinking about it since he was a freaking PA. Yeah. You know, in 1990, whatever. So, you know, he'd been thinking about it a long time, to his credit. Um, but, I, man, I wish there was an easy answer. to ha- You know, there is not a- that this is an episode about how to save Star Trek, but it's like, I don't know, man. Let I mean, I, you know, die. because yeah. Because, you know, even though there's a vociferous and excited audience about some of the new stuff, it's not that big. Yeah, it's not that big because they aren't buying the not merchandise. So big is that a captain, what, I think. What what little merchandise there is on the new stuff, no one's buying it. Nope, no. And and that has always been a a major contributor to the wealth of the franchise and the yeah, value absolutely. of the franchise. And it just doesn't no, no, no Let's face it. I mean, half of like you know the the Roddenberry College tour was about selling freaking merchandise, man. Yeah, like. Totally. And it's just, and that is, that's gone. There's no value in it anymore. Boy, speaking of merchandise, by the way, guys, I, I got a refund on my uh, Tomy Enterprise. Ah, uh, yeah. You I, know, I don't know you if it, our listeners know what's going on with that. Last year, Tomy announced that they would be doing uh, an Enterprise replica. Like, beautiful. It would light up. It would um, was going to be a gorgeous replica of the original 1701. And... Um, you know, I don't have one. It was like big, you know, long, big, 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 you know, much Three bigger foot than long, toys. Made of metal. Yeah. And it was going to be, you know, in the shuttle, shuttle bay open. There were shuttlecraft. And I, you know, God knows anybody who listens to the show knows how much I love my shuttlecraft. So um, I, I bought it. I was, I was excited. And then I guess about a month and a half ago, there was a big controversy that um, uh, they apparently put the, um, the metal pins that join the whole thing together on the display side. And right. then covered it up, but you could still see that this is where they put the pins in to join. And then and the display clunky, stand with clunky artistic engineering, uh, clunky. considering what they were originally showing as the uh, prototype. Yeah, it looked nothing like the prototype, and the stand was. Uh, it looked, you know, what the stand looked like silicon avatar. Oh my it looked God. like the silicon avatar. It was like they had this beautiful stand, the original pictures, but then when they sent you the finished version. It was this um, utterly complex stand that was, it blocked almost uh, every uh, angle that you would want to look at. Very clunky. 
So I really wrestled with like because they to their credit, I gotta say to their credit, I think they knew, you know, uh they 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 gave people they the knew option. They screwed up. They knew they screwed up and they gave people the option. Do you want a refund or do uh do you still want the the enterprise? And I'm like, you know what? Uh, I mean, if the three foot enterprise came and it looked like crap and I wasn't gonna display it, what do I need it for? Yeah. That's right. You know, and um and as Visual effect shots where you destroy the enterprise. Yeah, and as you know, as much as it would have been nice, it would have been more, you know, kind of like, you know, at the end of uh, with Sarpedon, as it, you know, if only, if only, you know, it's like I would have been like, I would have felt, I would have felt. So I, 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 you know, I, I talked to a few people, and they, they all said they were going to get refunds, and not that I necessarily wanted to go with the crowd, but I, I said, you know what, I'm sure I can put this money to better use. And uh, and I did, and and to their credit, they refunded it right away. Showed back up my credit card. You know, good for them. They handled it very very well. But uh, it was disappointing because I would have rather had a really cool three foot enterprise. Well, know. sure. Who wouldn't? Do you have one, Darren? Do you have an enterprise? I have the master replicas one from. Oh, 20- that's a nice one. That's it's a nice beautiful, one, and it still yeah. works, and it's uh, it's glorious. It's glorious. But I also paid twelve hundred dollars for it. Yeah, right. I mean, I would love to get that factory entertainment one, but I don't know if they'll ever make that. And honestly, I can't. I can't spend that kind of money for it. For, for no, it's you know, ludicrous. Not if I don't want to get divorced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just drop ten grand on a model of the movie Enterprise. But it looks gorgeous. Yeah, it looks fine. No. There are plenty of model makers across the country who will make you one that looks equally, if not better, for six grand, maybe. I should call Jeff Bond and see how what what you know. You no. name the winner with like if he would how much he's he working on two of them at this moment. Oh, is he really? Yes. Oh. oh, yes. Well, I might have to talk to young Master Bond <laughs> and uh, see if he will make me an enterprise because I really want one. Although I did say, you know what? It, it actually, in a way, it was sort of like good. It was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's better. I don't have it. I don't really have any good place to put it. And you know, knowing my luck, you know, the week it came, there'd be an earthquake; it would fall on the floor, and that would be well, it. Just keep in mind that having is not nearly so pleasing a thing after all mm-hmm. as wanting. Isn't that true? You it's know, and somebody totally else true. also said this is a great quote. I was our good friend Gab Stan, friend of the show, she's been on the show a couple of times. She said, "The first fifty years of your life, you spent accumulating stuff. The second fifty years of your life, you spend trying to get rid of it all." But she's moving. And I yeah. thought that was a very astute comment. Very. Well, because I got to stop right? buying crap. I'm still accumulating a few things, but yeah, that's, I know. yeah, I'm a little past the past <laughs> the mark on that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Anyway, well, this was interesting. Yeah, I'm glad I mean, it's it's, it's fun to hang out and talk about Star Trek and not worry about being positive all the time. <laughs> I can't believe Brent didn't show up. <laughs> Oh no! I'm kidding. Um, yeah, look, it's not about not being positive. Or it's one. Of, yeah, I'll tell you one of the reasons I don't like to say bad things about some of the new Star Trek shows. I don't like is I really don't like the people who don't like them. Yeah, I really don't like the, right. the the people what they have to say, and they're all like, "Oh, it's too woke." That's not the problem. No, you know, it, it, the problem is, is the writing. But I, I, I just so I don't really like the people who don't like. A lot of the people that don't like new Star Trek, so I just don't want to be part of that group. Um, but you know, but there is a lot of stuff we do like, you know, and it's just there's certain things we don't. But it, it comes down to the writing and the execution, 
yeah. you know, for us, you know, and, and telling important stories, metaphor, um, like great science fiction, like Star Trek did, where it told meaningful stories that were, you know, allegories for the issues of our time. And God knows there are enough issues of our time to, re- you know, wrestle with that we should be asking these deep questions. Certainly politicians aren't asking them. Everything's about social media and, you know, polls and like, what do you, you know, I love when they go to like, oh, we're here, we're here in Minnesota to ask people what they think about. It's like, I don't care. I want to know from experts what they think. I don't need to know what the person, you know, at the mall had to say, what they're thinking about the situation. And I just... Hey, what am I talking? I just what am I, I don't going know. What are you on? talking about, Mark? On a, a great, uh, I'm just great. going on. I don't. You know what? I this is. It's late. I'm tired. Um, yes. But <laughs> uh, not as tired as Ashley. But uh, but as always, this was sort of interesting when we go. Sort of. It was interesting-ish. Yeah. yeah. Was it's it fine? It's <laughs> <a>, was <laughs> it though? It'll I be don't. fine. It'll be fine, and we're going to get lots of responses one way oh, or yeah, another. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. on, uh, online. So. What was this episode called again? This very called short track experts. experts. Oh, very yes. short track experts. Not as short. Not as short as we were led to believe. Um, <laughs> so anyway, look, always great to have you all with us. Um, if you're interested in subscribing to Deck Seventy Eight, our bonus podcast, please subscribe um, at TrekExpertsPlus.com. Of course, you can share your thoughts about this episode or any episode of the Trexperts on social media at Inglorious Trek and Inglorious. Trexperts, or you can email us at trexpertsplus at gmail.com. So uh, until uh, next week, uh, special thanks to Peter Holmstrom, uh, Mark Rivera, our great sound mixer, and you for tuning in for this, ready for it, Fakakta episode. And uh, we'll see you next Thursday. So on behalf of Ashley Edward Miller, Darren Doctor, and myself, Mark A. Altman, keep on trekking, ingloriously, of course.